Bible Church. Today we start our worship with a reading from Colossians 1, because even as we celebrate Jesus as an infant today, we know what he is destined for. Colossians 1, starting at verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have for redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And that is why we're here tonight. Amen? Let's stand and worship together.
We read from Luke 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the, ta- from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. God's promise of a Savior, Redeemer, has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ is born. We celebrate this sacred moment by lighting the Christ candle. Our Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, is here. And with great expectation and hope, we also anticipate that very soon, Christ will come again and fullness of joy, immeasurable love, and everlasting peace will be restored. And in him, all things will be made new.
let's stand and sing what the angels sing. Glory to God on high. Hark, the herald angels sing.
God is love that we get to celebrate Christmas. Amen? It is because God is love that we are here today. It is because God is love that Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. It is because God is love that we were forgiven and accepted. It is because God is love why we exist. And it is because God is love that we get to see one another as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to invite the ushers to come to the front. And as we continue in an attitude of worship, um, I just want you to know that if you're visiting for the first time, please don't feel obligated in participating in this, in this part of the worship service. This is something that we do as a congregation. For those of us that consider that this is our church, and I want to remind you that as always, there's three ways, different ways to give. You could give your offerings by uh, placing them in the plate as we pass them around. You could give your offering going to our website, or if you're worshiping with us online, you could always send your offerings to the offices of the church. You may pass the plates. As we pass the plates... Um, I want to remind you of something that we have been doing for a church for a while. It's a spiritual discipline that, that we like to practice, and it's the spiritual discipline of remembering. Part of the reason why we like to, to practice the spiritual discipline of remembering is because we are quick to forget. We are quick to forget who God is. We are quick to forget what God has done. We are quick to forget what God does, and sometimes we are quick to forget who we are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, today, we want to take some time for us to remember together. We want to remember what is it that the Lord did, or at least some of the things that the Lord did in this 2022. I want you to remember what is it that the Lord did, how is it that He used you, how is it that the Lord used your generosity because that will give us a beautiful picture of not only what the Lord, about what the Lord did, and not only about what the Lord is doing, but it's going to give us hope for what, it, for what the Lord is going to do in 2023. So for now, let's remember together. As Christians, we know that there's something beautiful about giving something away because our God gave away his best for you and for me. This year, from our extra giving at Missions Fest this fall, Josephine constructed the third and final floor at the Hope for Life Center. When the war started in Ukraine, I cried inside. My heart was broken. My soul lamented and my spirit groaned. After the war started, uh, we were there because uh, thousands of people were coming to, to the country. And because of that, there were huge lines of people waiting in the cold of winter. We pray for the leaders of Ukraine and of Russia. Today I'm getting baptized because I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Mi Rey y Salvador, Jesus. I want to walk in Jesus. To celebrate and proclaim my love for my Savior, Jesus Christ. We were going to start a midweek ministry for kids called Kids Club. This past Wednesday, more than 135 kids came out for our official launch of Kids Club. Learning about God's faithfulness, memorizing scripture together, and they are making good friends. Yesterday, as a church, 600 of us, we went into the community and showed people that our Jesus is interested in them and in their communities. 
Summer provides us with all kinds of opportunities to serve, connect, be more invitational, and love our neighbors and communities. I want to commission all of us that each and every connection the Lord places before us would be to His glory. Recognize that in His sovereignty, you are where you are, placed by God to contribute to what God is already doing. Our junior high ministry got to spend five days partnering with a ministry that is called Restoration Ministries. He's working in you and through you in the midst of a broken world. 52 of our high school students and 18 of their leaders spent a week in Cleveland, Ohio. It wasn't just an ordinary summer camp for students. They were worshiping, getting to know God, getting that word of Jesus, who Jesus is. We'd get to talk to them. We'd get to play games with them. It was just so much fun. Church, I want you to dream. What would DuPage be like? What would Illinois be like? What would this country be like? What would this world be like if we all believe that? If we believe that we are placed here in our exile for the common good, that it is better to give than to receive. You may remember that back in June, we invited you to participate in a special above and beyond offering in support of our 16 WBC missionaries and indigenous partners in Ukraine and the border nations, you responded with remarkable generosity. Above and beyond gift of $167,000. Wow. Praise be to God. Unlike a lot of other programs in the area, there is still Christ at the center of all of this. They've been absolutely amazed by the strides the kids have taken academically, the strides the kids have taken socially. They truly did love coming in and being there. I did. I found God in the program, yes. Once I was there, I started learning really what the fruits of the Spirit were. You know, I felt accepted. That's when God started transforming my life right there. On behalf of the church in Uganda, we want to thank you so much. Our cool fountain of hope is open and 1,300 kids are able to get quality education here about Jesus because of your giving. Direct your children onto the right path and when they are older, they will not leave it. And I am, I am right here right now in front of you because you were part of that. Lord Jesus, you have not just overcome our tribulations, you've overcome the world would like to provide $18,000 in support of the feeding program with the precious kids at Hope for Life. Fully fund uh, your grant request for $10,000 to support counseling for Ukrainian families. There will be 494 kids rejoicing because their parents got to buy them a gift, maybe many of them for the first time. We got the chance to do 98 specific prayers. We were able to give 12 Bibles and 7 people came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. All because we were participating in a Christmas store. Yo agradezco mucho al programa Puente y la Tienda y todos los que están ahí. The people that are willing to give Shalom is the people that already have it. And you have it. Everybody, we give the Lord all the glory He serves. As a church, we want to say thank you. We are so proud of being part of this beautiful church that likes to give. 
that likes to sacrifice, that, that likes to serve. And I want to invite you to continue to pray for the church, and I want to invite you to continue to sustain the church financially. We still want to finish our year well. And at the end of the day, we want to finish this year and celebrate Christmas saying one thing, all glory is to God. Amen? Let's pray. Our beautiful Savior, we know that everything we are, everything we have done, and everything that we will do, is not because of us, but it is your grace working in us. So as we remember, Lord, and as we celebrate, we want to say not just thank you to the congregation, but we want to say thank you, Lord. Because it is you working in us. It is you working through us. And it is for your glory. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus and the church says. Advent is a special time of year where we as God's people set aside time to reorient our hearts on the truth of who Jesus is. But during times of increasing darkness, how do we again come to Advent, despite the trouble we see and face, to trust and believe in the truth of Jesus' character? It is important to remember that God's people have always faced overwhelming circumstances. The Israelites, the nation miraculously brought about by God who would bring forth the promised Messiah, consistently violated their covenant with God and suffered devastating consequences. Throughout the pages of Scripture, we see so clearly how sin leads people down dark paths. But yet, we also see God sovereignly interrupt the painful circumstances and trials of life in order to bring hope, love, joy, peace. No space is too dark for God's light to shine. Scripture then reminds us who God is, has been, and will always be. In the birth of Jesus Christ, all the stories of God interrupting our world for His plans find their ultimate fulfillment. Amidst the darkness and uncertainty life brings, God seeks to not simply dispel the darkness, but bring the light of His glorious grace. Advent reminds us once again that the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world, is the interruption that led to our salvation being secured on the cross. Because of His victory over sin and darkness, we can forever experience the hope, love, joy, and peace God gives us. You catastrophe. See, that's not a word I'm making up. I usually make up words, but that's not a word I'm making up. You catastrophe first appeared in 1944 in an essay called And Fairy Stories, written by J.R.R. Tolkien. See, Tolkien kind of created this word to explain the opposite of a catastrophe. See, that if a catastrophe is an event causing significant damage or suffering or a disaster, a catastrophe is the opposite of all of that. A catastrophe is an event causing significant joy, 
bringing significant peace, producing significant hope, and giving significant love. It is not a disaster. It's a blessing. And someone once described the word uh, catastrophe like this. It is a moment of a good catastrophe. The sudden joyful turn, a moment that denies universal, the universal final defeat. A moment in a story when heaven breaks loose, a beautiful unraveling, a moment in which everything sad becomes untrue, an interruption of the real. And Tolkien basically said that all good stories and the best stories always had you catastrophes in them. So we wanna, what we want to do today is I want to invite you to, at least for a few minutes, to think about the story of the Bible. The story of God, which is a story full of you catastrophes. And I want to invite you to remember and to recall some of the images we just saw in our intro video. Because I want to show you how the Bible is the greatest story ever written. The greatest stories um, ever proclaimed, which is the story of redemption. See, the story of the Bible is a story with much darkness, much pain, much struggle, much dissolution, and many catastrophes. And yet, it is the story in which time and time again we see heaven, heaven breaking loose. We see God interrupting the real. We see him bringing light in the midst of darkness. So I want to walk you through the first part of the Bible. And we have to start with the Bible starts with Adam and Eve. Because it is in Adam and Eve where we see how human beings exchange the love, the peace, the joys they had, and the joy they had, for the illusion of autonomy and freedom. And darkness breaks into this world. So how does God interrupt the, interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light amid darkness. And that even though Adam and Eve were hiding and were ashamed, the catastrophe in that story is that God dressed them up and he promised that one day he will make all things new. Why does God do that? Because sin bringing darkness was not the end of the story. How about the story of Noah and the flood? See, we find a man calling people to believe and repent. But because human beings have the tendency to choose darkness over light, even though God wants to save them, they refuse to listen. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is the ark. The ark taking the wrath of God and protecting his people for 40 days and 40 nights until the ark finds rest. And why does God do that? Because judgment and the flood was not the end of the story. What about the story of Joseph? See, we find in the story of Joseph a story of a group of people, God's imperfect people. The story of a family that because they love darkness much more than what they love light, jealousy and competition split up a family. 
And a young man was sold into slavery 13 years of suffering, humiliation, loneliness, dissolution, and abandonment. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The new catastrophe in that story is that God protects his son. The same God that later on will give him power and authority to rescue the very people that betrayed him. And why does God do that? Because betrayal and slavery was not the end of the story. How about the Israelites in Egypt? 400 years of slavery. At least five different generations that never tasted freedom. Victims of oppression and injustice, emptied of all value and dignity, treated as less than human beings. And how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The you catastrophe in that story is God choosing an unqualified and insecure man that had been hiding in the desert for 40, for 40 years. And he used that man to bring judgment and to deliver his people by powerful miracles. And why does God do that? Because Egypt and oppression was not the end of the story. How about the story of Moses and the Red Sea? More than 700,000 people walking into the desert. 700,000 people full of fear and doubts, persecuted by an ambitious enemy. Trying to help find hope in a hopeless place. Water in the front, enemies in your back. And how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The you catastrophe in that story is the wind coming from the east. And at God's command, water turns into dry land. About the story... Of Ruth and Naomi, two godly females that lost it all. Lost the love and the protection of a husband, lost the care and the provision of a family, and along with that, they lost the respect and the support of their community. How does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. God brings light in the midst of darkness. The you catastrophe there is God sovereignly directing them and providing for them more than what they could ever imagine. And why does God do that? Because tragedy was not the end of the story. What about the story of David and Goliath? The story of war and a teenager. A teenager undermined by family members and also undermined by a prophet of God. An unknown shepherd, oftentimes undervalued and ignored, Having to represent his nation, his win will be his nation's wins, and his loss could be his nation's loss. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is the power of God fully displayed, not in the power or the strength or the skillfulness of a strong soldier. It is God using a tiny shepherd with a tiny stone to defeat a mighty man. And why does God do that? 
Because a big army and a mighty man was not the end of the story. How about the story of, New of Jonah? A man running from his destiny, hiding from his call, having to be thrown aboard to appease the storm. And how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is a stinky fish. A fish that providentially was placed by God to rescue a guilty and a drowning man. And why does God do that? Because this storm was not the end of the story. What about Daniel? An exile. A man that was taken from his family. A man devoted to God, a victim of jealousy, thrown into the den of lions, not because of his unfaithfulness, but because he was faithful. So how does God interrupt the real? Heaven breaks in. God does not walk away. He brings light in the midst of darkness. The catastrophe in that story is Daniel being delivered. Because at command, the kings of the jungle can do nothing but close their mouth. And why does God do that? Because a den of lions was not the end of the story. There's so much more that we could say. But can you see how the greatest story ever told is a story of the Bible, the story of our God, the story of redemption? Time and time again, heaven breaks in, God does not walk away, and you catastrophes happen. What does that have to do with Christmas, someone may ask? How about if I tell you that every single one of those you catastrophes along in the Old Testament, the stuff that we just mentioned before, were preparing the way for the ultimate you catastrophe. The you catastrophe of God becoming a human being in Jesus Christ. God is breaking heaven. Uh, God is heaven breaking into our, into our, uh, into our world. Jesus is God, not walking away. He is the great interruption. He is the ultimate catastrophe. See, every single one of those events, we're preparing the way for us to see Jesus as the light of the world. Why would the Bible call Jesus the light of the world? See, just as in the Old Testament, God knew exactly what people needed. In order for them to be rescued, in the New Testament, we have Jesus as the light of the world because God also knows exactly what we need in order to be rescued. That's why the word light in the New Testament is used in three different ways. Light in the New Testament is used as a source of life, as a source of truth, and a source of comfort. See, light as a source of life it's similar to our relationship with the sun. See, without the sun, we cannot survive. Without the sun, we will freeze to death. Animals need the, the sun. Plants need the sun. Human beings need the sun. No light, no life. Why is then Jesus called the light of the world? Because Jesus knows that the only thing we need to be able to be here and survive is his everlasting life. See, when the Bible talks about light as a source of truth, it's because of the same reason that we need light to be able to see. No light, all darkness. Have you ever been in a room that is so dark that not only you are confused but disoriented? 
and you don't know what's real or what is the product of your imagination. So why is Jesus called the light of the world? Because he knows that the only way we're going to be able to see what is true and what is not is when we have him as the light of the world. See, the Bible says that light is the source of comfort. There's something about light that brings comfort. Isn't that the reason why you ha- when you have a nightmare, the first thing you do is turn on the light? Isn't that the reason why there's such a thing called as happy lights? Isn't that the reason why our mood changes when there's less light? Why is Jesus called the light of the world? Because he knows that in order for us, in order for us to survive, not, not only we need his life, not only we need his truth, but we also need his comfort. Life, truth, and comfort is what we all need and what we crave for. How about if I tell you that every single catastrophe in the Old Testament was an example of life, truth, and comfort? And every single one of those catastrophes were preparing the way for Jesus as the ultimate catastrophe. There's one more thing to say, though. All those new catastrophes in the Old Testament not only were preparing the way for Jesus, but every single one of those new catastrophes were pointing to what Jesus came to do, the redemption of this creation. See, the Bible is one story. It's one beautiful Christmas story in which the hero of that story is Jesus. And every single good thing in the Bible somehow points to the redemption that Jesus comes to, came to bring. Do you remember how God covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve? How about if I tell you that I was a shadow of Jesus coming to cover our shame and our guilt with his blood? Do you remember the ark by which Noah and his family were rescued? How about if I tell you that I was a shadow of Jesus, him taking the storm we deserve in order for us to be rescued? Do you remember the story of Joseph? How about if I tell you that Joseph was a shadow of Jesus, a brother having to suffer first in order to deliver his family? Do you remember the Israelites being delivered from Egypt? See, that exodus was a shadow of the deliverance that Jesus came to bring. Not from the slavery of Egypt, but the slavery of sin. Do you remember how God opened the way for his people through the Red Sea? How about if I tell you that that was a shadow of Jesus opening the way into the presence of the Father? Do you remember how God sovereignly guided Ruth and Naomi? Don't you think that maybe that's a shadow of Jesus in which he sovereignly goes to the cross to provide what we needed the most, the salvation of our souls? Do you remember how David defeated Goliath? Did you know that David is a shadow of Jesus? Jesus is the greatest David. Because when he won, we all won. When he died, we all died. When he resurrected, we all resurrected. Do you remember the storm in the story of Jonah? How about if I tell you that I was a shadow of Jesus? See, Jesus was also thrown into the storm of the cross so he could appease the wrath of God. Do you know why is it that we celebrate Christmas? 
because we are part of the most incredible story ever told. The story of God that does not know how to love from afar. The story of a God that interrupts darkness and brings light. The story of a God that brings light, the light of life, the light of truth, and the light of comfort. The story of a God that is you, the God of you catastrophes. The story of the one that turns grief into joy. The story of heaven breaking in. The story of a person in whom everything sad becomes untrue. Jesus Christ. See, if you are a believer, that's your story. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. It is not a religious celebration. It is the celebration of heaven breaking in. God never walking away. Him bringing light in the midst of darkness. Him being Jesus breaking into our world. If you're not a believer, that's the story you need. You see, Jesus' light of the world is life, truth, and comfort. Is that what you have? That's what you need. And if you're a Christian, that life, that truth, and comfort, that's the very thing you still need. And that's why we continue to celebrate Christmas. Amen? Let's pray. My beautiful Savior, we are grateful that we are part of the greatest story ever told. It's a story that is full of you catastrophes pointing us to Jesus, the ultimate you catastrophe. In which heaven breaks loose in which you never walk away, in which you bring your light in the midst of our darkness. My prayer, Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, is that we may see the, beautiful, the beauty and the power of the story. And that we see ourselves as the product of that. We are grateful, Lord, that in Jesus we have love, joy, peace, and hope. Because that's precisely why Jesus came. To give us what we truly needed. And to give us you, the one that never walks away. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And we all say, Heaven indeed has broken through. And we look at the child in the manger and we say, What child? is this? And then we can answer our own question. This is our God. Amen? Let's stand and worship.
this child asleep in the manger tender and mild this intimate stranger recklessly wildly loving this dangerous world who is this light invading our darkness glorious might the sun rising for us conquering night he captures the hardest of hearts we sing this is our god living and breathing call him courageous relentless and brave this is our thing that we got to know about light. Light is unstoppable. See, once you turn the light on, it takes over the entire room. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe, that's the reason why Jesus is called the light of the world. Did you know that the reason why Jesus came was not just to save you and to save me? Did you know that part of the reason why Jesus came was to take over this world? And as we light the candles, and as we celebrate Christmas, I want to invite you to dream. And I want to invite you to imagine how the world will look like when his light take over the entire darkness in this world. You know what's interesting? The Bible also calls us the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and he calls us the light of the world. Do you know why the Bible does that? Because the way he's going to bring this light into this world is through you and through me. And as we light these candles, I want you to imagine how beautiful it's going to be. The time and the place when Jesus takes over the entire thing. And there's no more darkness, no more pain, no more struggle. No more suffering, only the joy, the peace, and the presence of our Savior. Amen?
and look at the beauty of what the Lord one day will bring to this creation. And we get to be part of this. You may blow out your candle. Merry Christmas to you all. And the churches. Thanks for coming. We love you. See you guys on Sunday. It's beautiful.